Hello, welcome to the Be The Solution podcast. My name is Elizabeth Johnson. I am a communication specialist here at the College of Social and Behavioral Science. On today's episode, we will be discussing the Extraordinary Native Voices Initiative, a project which works directly with tribal leaders and Native collaborators to more fully document the stories and knowledge of Native communities in the region. We are joined today by two outstanding guests, Dr. Alexander Greenwald and Alan Groves. Dr. Greenwald is an assistant professor in the Department of Anthropology and a curator of ethnography at the Natural History Museum of Utah. Dr. Greenwald secured a grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities to start the Native Voices Project. Her expertise is in North American prehistoric archaeology and ethnography, human behavioral ecology, biological anthropology, and bioarchaeology. Her research focuses on breastfeeding and weaning behavior and maternal time allocation in ancient human populations. Thank you so much for joining us, Alex. Thank you for having me. We are also excited to welcome one of the many phenomenal collaborators of this project, Alan Groves. Alan is a member of the Northern Ute and Hopi tribes. Professionally, he is a high school teacher and also serves as a teacher coach in his school community. He earned a master's degree from Brigham Young University in exercise science with an emphasis in sports pedagogy. In his youth, Alan primarily used drawing and painting as his preferred media for his artistic expression. But as he has grown older, he has learned the traditional Native American arts of beading and porcupine quill work. Alan organized the Turtle Island Art Collective to empower Indigenous artists, showcase Indigenous artists, and inspire Indigenous youth. Thank you for joining us, Alan. I'm excited to be here. So to get us started, Dr. Greenwald, can you give us a summary of the Native Voices Project? And then, Alan, can you share how you became involved in this project? Yeah, so uh, I wanted to start this project at the Natural History Museum of Utah because we have extensive collections that represent many cultural groups uh, in Utah and in North America. And um, a lot of times these uh, collections um, don't really incorporate the deep cultural knowledge uh, that came with these items or that uh, represent these cultures. And so um, I wanted to make sure that we were centering Native perspectives and knowledge in our collections rather than uh, sort of doing this very superficial um, cabinet of curiosities strategy of just saying, ooh, look at all these beautiful things uh, that represent Native people um, and stopping there. Um, and our museum already uh, has a history of collaborating with Native communities, but I really wanted to deepen how we're doing that in collections. So making sure that we're um, respecting the objects in a culturally sensitive way. We wanted to make sure that we repatriated any items that were inappropriate for us to have. Um, and we wanted to make sure that we could update our permanent gallery, our, our Native Voices Gallery, um, in ways that um, tribes today want to see updated. Um, and we also wanted to uh, use funding from this grant to create additional public education opportunities on the form of performances, uh, artists and residence programs, um, things like that to really increase the connection between the general public and indigenous communities in a way to just educate the public that native communities are here and they're thriving. Um, they're, they're not gone. Um, and that we want them to be uh, centered in the ability to tell their stories. 
That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all that and for working on this. And Alan, how did you become involved? Uh, I I was actually approached um, at the University of Utah had a, a winter arts market where they invited a lot of artists to come in and share their work. Um, and I was there sharing some of my quill work pieces. And um, somebody from the university just stopped by my table and viewed my art. And we had a little conversation about what it was and where it came from. And then um, they said, oh, you might be, we might be interested in having you come and see some of the pieces that we have up at the Natural History Museum. And then I was contacted after that. And, and we came in and had a, a really good session together. That's amazing. Well, we're happy that you were able to join us um, and share your expertise on our podcast as well. Dr. Greenwald, can you give us a brief historical overview of how museums have presented cultural items from Native communities in the past? Yeah, so um, historically, the way anthropology was done was really centered around this this recognition of some early anthropologists like Alfred Kroeber, um, that colonization was having a terrible effect on Native communities um, and the deep but unfounded concern he had that um, tribal communities were disappearing. And so uh, there was a lot of what was called salvage ethnography that happened at the beginning of the 20th century that was really geared towards um, generally white anthropologists uh, swooping in and extracting knowledge and objects from tribal communities with the idea that they were um, rescuing them from oblivion, essentially. and. So the, the idea was we need to preserve these cultures because they're disappearing, um, which in and of itself was uh, unfounded. These uh, many cultures uh, did experience great harm from colonization and policies of the U.S. government and Canadian government, um, but have been resilient and, and survived. Um, and a lot of times these objects were collected without the, the deep cultural knowledge that goes with them. So, you know, here's a pretty pot, um, but uh, how is the clay gathered and processed and, and what practices are associated with doing that? And what did the designs mean? Uh, who does the pots? How are the pots used? Um, and that sort of knowledge wasn't always collected or it was lost when it entered the museums and not presented to the general public. And so this is a little bit less of a problem historically with the Natural History Museum of Utah because we are comparatively young institution as opposed to lots of the museums on the East Coast um, and some of the earliest museums uh, in the West. We still, at uh, the Natural History Museum, uh, have a lot of objects that were collected by private collectors in the early 20th century, um, or by archaeological expeditions uh, who collected also from living uh, descendants of the, the sites they were excavating. Um, and not a lot of information was collected about those. And so it felt like a ethical imperative to recombine the, the deep cultural knowledge of the groups that these came from, um, and also make sure that we uh, are not keeping anything at the museum that shouldn't be in our museum. Um, and so that was one part of what we did was making sure that um, we don't continue to hold objects which tribal communities see as inappropriate for us to have. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. What phenomenal work. Alan, as a Ute and Hopi beater, 
Quiller and Teacher. Can you share your perspective on the significance of the Native Voices Initiative in preserving and promoting Indigenous art and culture? And how has it impacted your work as a consultant on this project? First, I before I answer the question, I guess I want to put a little disclaimer. I, I'm not speaking for everybody. I just understand that. Like, I'm, my perspective is not may not be the same um, as all natives out there. And so I just wanted to throw that disclaimer. I'm really going to try and answer the questions from my own perspective. And I really think it's important to say that because this is kind of a um, one of the hard things, I think, that's historically happened when it comes to um, Native American art or artifacts. The purpose of these pieces in tribal communities is is really teaching. It, it, um, whether that's teaching specific ideas on how to survive or how to propagate your uh, success of your family and your community, or whether that's teaching ideals and values that are being passed down, they're done through these art pieces and through creation of these art pieces. And so there's really a whole different purpose. And and I think one of the awesome things about this initiative is bridging those two ideas uh, because it is super difficult. And so I think when it comes to like these pieces and how to present them and how to respect them and how to how to handle them in the best way, it's kind of tricky. There's there's not a lot of guidelines that um, are out there for people to like really follow. Art is the means to make relationships so you can learn things from each other or ideas can get passed down. And that's really the approach um, that the initiative has taken. There's not one right decision. The right decision is to make the relationships. And I've really appreciated that. Um, I have had an opportunity to deepen my relationship with the people who are handling these pieces and presenting these pieces at the Natural History Museum. And that's the thing I think I'm most grateful for. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing your insight and your personal experience with us. And you mentioned how historically the relationship between Native communities and museums has been more extractive. Something that's really unique about this project is that it provides meaningful compensation for the time and contributions of tribal elders and communities. What has the impact had of providing meaningful compensation had on the relationships you've built during this initiative? Um, well, I think providing fair compensation is sort of the bare minimum of relationship building. Historically, uh, consultation with tribal communities has been built on the the premise that, uh, well, why why wouldn't they just want to freely give information to us? And so I think compensation is the, the bare minimum because it recognizes that community members are equal members of society who have many constraints on their time. Folks are working full time on one job, potentially also serving as a community leader. Um, they are family members. Um, and so recognizing that um, time is valuable and that it's a gift to us and that we need to properly recognize that is, I think, a, a minimum starting place. Interesting. I don't. I think this is just the type of person Alex is, but Native American communities, the way that they are structured or run is a little bit different than the secular world. Your success in becoming part of the community comes when you can find something to give to the community. It really is more transformational. Like, what can you do to offer a community to make it better? What can I offer? And while I, I am a public school teacher, and I was super happy to, that there was some compensation for my time, more than anything, what I really appreciated um, was this 
feeling um, that, that I got from the experience where I felt like um, the museum was really looking out for me personally um, and my efforts, whether that was my efforts with our art collective that uh, me and some other artists are really trying to effort working with kids. Um, they were very interested in that and how they can help me with that. Or whether it was personally my own family, like helping my family to have a great experience with the pieces in the museum and the knowledge that is kept there. We are living away from our tribal community, so they don't have daily interaction with people telling them these things. And so I, as a parent, if I want them to receive it, I have to, I have to find places where we can have conversations about these ideas. And so I got this opportunity to bring my kids up and just walk through the stacks and pull pieces and have conversations. Uh, there were some Hopi pieces that, that we don't, I don't have access to living here off the Hopi reservation. And my kids, so my kids have never seen them up close. And my mom was there, their, their Hopi grandma was there. And we were talking about all these things. Um, and it was just, it just blew them away walking out of it. Um, I, just having these conversations later on in the summer, I asked my kids, Hey, what was your favorite thing? And that was easily on the top of their list is going and seeing all these pieces and having these conversations. So for me, when it comes to compensation, like that's the kind of ideas I think in the past that has, I think burned people is that they go in and saying, well, we're going to give you money for this. But I think more than that, what I've been super impressed with is this is what has gone beyond that and an opportunity to um, to really add to our community here. Our native community here is what the History Museum is offering. There's this saying in native culture, whether it's ceremonial or whether it's family customs, they say the right kind of way. And the reason they say the right kind of way is because there is not one way to do things across all um, Native American communities. That is the most important part. And so I, I applaud um, the Natural History Museum's approach because they, they're doing it with the right spirit. So somebody in another area who has, it, it really is going to take them getting to know their community to figure out what is the right kind of way. What is the right spirit? How do I approach this with this community? It really takes effort of learning and creating relationships and having shared time together in order to figure out the right kind of way. Well, thank you for both sharing your perceptions on on this really interesting aspect of the initiative. And Alan, it sounds like you are a really great um, family member and a great father. I'm sure your your kids and your community are really lucky to have you. Um, Dr. Greenwald, Alan mentioned how he brought his kids and his friends and his family to explore the ethnographic collections at the museum. Can you share how this process contributes to enriching the museum's understanding of its collections? Well, um, I mean, it was a learning experience for me, too. I think museums often homogenize the general public and say, like, how do we just educate the general public as best we can about this, this science or this culture? But really uh, recognizing that our museum has a responsibility to serve the communities it represents in collections, as well as the the non-native communities, um, and and thinking about how we provide opportunities both in exhibits and collections um, to those communities who we have a responsibility to serve. Thank you, and Alan, I would love to hear your thoughts on how this initiative influences the next generation of Indigenous artists and practitioners. You mentioned how it's helped you teach your children, but how do you see this helping the next generation in, in general? Well, first of all, I think 
the the nature of tribal communities is really changing. Um, I think the experience that my grandparents had um, growing up in their tribal communities on a reservation, um, their that experience is so different than my experience growing up away from a tribal community. And what the experiences that I have had to really help me sh- help shape my own perspective on what it means to be indigenous, and really what I want to pass on to the next generation. The experiences that I've had are way different than what my grandparents experienced. And I think that is going to continue to be the norm moving forward. So I think places like the the Natural History Museum, where there are um, opportunities to have conversations and to have experiences um, in a different setting, maybe in a more urban or more suburban setting, um, where kids aren't getting that, I think those places are super important. As a Native community, we have to figure out how to give our kids those experiences in a different way. And then number two, I think... Um, I'm on a personal mission just as an artist to take the crafts out of native arts and crafts, uh, to, to take the crafts out because it really is art. And if you think about the difference between, between art and crafts, uh, well, I think, I think the reason it gets native art gets that, um, connotation is because it, it is definitely functional. It really is. If you think about art, art evokes emotion and meaning and there's theme and there's there's artistry for when it comes to color and all of those things. And all of our pieces have those. And it is amazing to see them in um, a formal setting like a museum. It really is. I had a, I had an opportunity to have some of my pieces shown in an art museum this year. Um, and it changed the way really I saw myself as an artist. Right. Um, and I think that's important in the past. I think, as a native community, we kind of just would take what we could get wherever we saw anything remotely native. We were happy that we were at least represented in some way, even if it was wrong. Right. But so having a place that saying, not only are we going to showcase what you have to offer, but we're going to showcase it in an authentic way and really highlight the value of, of what it brings and the meanings of it is amazing. And also, like I said, for our kids to see that that part of themselves is valued in the world and that it's important important enough to be in a museum, that it's important enough to have research done in a professional way about it, that where you come from is valuable in the world, that what your ancestors have gone through can help shape what we all, what we all experience in the future. I never have received that validation as a youth. And so I think it's amazing to have a place where, where kids can go and see that and feel that about themselves. That's wonderful. And I love the rebrand from Native Arts and Crafts to Native Art. That's really wonderful. Dr. Greenwald, in a recent article exploring this work, you emphasized the human connection as the real value of the initiative. Can you share some stories or experiences that highlight the positive impact of these human connections? That's such a hard question. Um, There have been lots of moments sitting and sharing with folks who have been generous enough to come in and start building a relationship with us um, for us to learn from them. Um, And I think one overarching thing that has really struck me as a person, as opposed to a professor or curator researcher um, is some, some universal human experiences. So I'm a granddaughter of Holocaust survivors And so to share experiences and talk about shared experiences associated with intergenerational trauma from genocide, that was powerful. 
being able to talk with folks and, and hear personal experiences um, has, has been powerful on a personal level. So those are the types of, of personal connections that I could really relate to with folks. Um, and I think there's also this universality of learning from our elders. Many people have had the good fortune of having relationships with grandparents and learning from them. Um, and I, I think that is a human universal that came up over and over and over again is um, how do we learn from our elders and incorporate their experiences and wisdom into our daily lives. And in some cases, the way we do art. To close us off, can you both share what you see as the next steps in this broader movement to center Native voices in museum collections? So I think this is the beginnings of a, a long process for our museum in reevaluating how we think about managing collections and how we think about exhibiting the art of Native communities and the cultural belongings of Native communities. As a museum, a Western institution, our, our job is to preserve things. And we have a very prescribed way of how we preserve things. So we like wrap them a certain way and we store them a certain way on the shelf at a certain level of humidity and a certain temperature. And that is preserving the, the physical properties of an item. But in talking with communities about um, how to appropriately care for things and preserve things from a, a culturally uh, sensitive way, the, the best way of preserving a cultural belonging is, I think, the way that that culture believes they need to be preserved and uh, making sure that we're respecting that if it's in our possession. And I would say probably from a Native community standpoint, um, I think we have to really do our part and contribute. I, I think that the museum has done a great job in showing that they're willing to work with us and create a relationship. And so I think just doing our part to make sure that we contribute wherever it is that we can, I think that's important from our part. So, Thank you so much. Those are all the questions I had for you. Thank you again for taking time out of both of your days and sharing your expertise and insights with me. To those listening, thank you for joining us for another thought-provoking conversation with Dr. Alexandra Greenwald and Alan Groves. Stay tuned for more engaging discussions on the Be The Solution podcast. And remember, each conversation can drive positive change.